Well, hey, good morning, Plum Creek. It is great to see you guys this morning. I am glad that you braved the weather and came out to worship with us. Good to see that we've all survived this snow so far. Well, I am glad to be back preaching again this weekend. And by the way, I want to say thank you to Tom Schneller and Tony Liberatori for stepping in to preach the last two Sundays. And I also want to give a shout out to our middle and high school students for doing a great job leading last week. Yeah, I'm telling you. Both last Sunday and the week before, I walked out of here encouraged and challenged and inspired. And I know that many of you would say the same thing. So again, thank you to everyone who had a part in that. Well, I'm really looking forward to digging into this first full series of 2019 here at Plum Creek. And this is going to be a good one. Uh, For the next few weeks, we're going to listen to what God has to say about money and finances. And it's always an interesting time when we cover this topic in a sermon because we all have a lot of opinions on this subject. For example, think about the video we just saw. That video takes one hypothetical family and shows what that family spends every month in different categories. And some of us are looking at uh, some of those numbers and we're thinking, are you kidding me? That's crazy. And it's true. If we start comparing with other people, uh, pretty quickly we'll realize that uh, spending habits in one home are very different than another. But the main point of that video is completely true. The main point is that it's very easy to lose control of our money. And when that happens, money can become a monster. I'm sure just about all of us here could describe some bad financial decision we've made at some point in the past. And this series is not at all about beating ourselves up over what we have or have not done. This series is about looking to God and seeing what's possible if we let him lead us when it comes to our money. So imagine this. Uh, Imagine a life where money is not a constant source of worry or stress. What if we could look at our finances and feel a sense of freedom and peace? That would be a great thing, wouldn't it? Well, God's word tells us that freedom and peace is possible, and we're going to see how to find it over the next few weeks. Now, before we dive into our specific topic for today, I want to set the stage a little bit. Uh, First, I realize that money can be a sensitive subject. And I realize that some people would like a church that never talks about money. But let me tell you a little bit of where I'm coming from. As a preacher, I have a responsibility to communicate the message of God's word, not just in part, but in full So I can't just hit on popular subjects and ignore the unpopular ones. There's no question that the Bible has a lot to say about our finances. And, And Jesus himself had a lot to say about money. The truth is, there is a spiritual connection between our hearts and our finances. And I've said this several times. If I never preach about money, I am performing ministerial malpractice. And I don't want to do that. If I'm being completely honest, we're probably a little overdue for a series like this. But I do want to mention one more thing here. I am genuinely excited about what God will do in our church over the next few weeks. 
We're going to hear stories from people at Plum Creek who have found the freedom and peace that I'm talking about. And we're going to share some resources and practical tools to help us handle money God's way. And we're going to encourage each other and cheer each other on along the way. I honestly believe this series is going to be a blast. So that's where we're headed. And later on, we'll get into specifics like budgeting and saving and giving and fun stuff like that. But for today, I really want to focus on just one big idea. And this is it. Here's the big idea. God owns it all. Let's say that all together. This is the big idea. God owns it all. That's a very simple concept, but it has massive implications. I have to realize that everything I think of as mine, it's not really mine. It all belongs to God. And it's the same for you too. All that you have belongs to God. And this principle shows up all over Scripture. But one place you can find it is Psalm 24, verse 1. That verse says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So whatever you're talking about, money, things, people, whatever, Everything in the world belongs to God. And if we can internalize this truth and believe it down to the core of our being, it will change how we live. This perspective will change our attitudes and it will change our actions. Let me give you an illustration. I heard a story about a woman who was at an airport and she was getting ready to catch a flight. She'd already gotten through security. She was on her way to the gate, but she had a little time and she was feeling kind of hungry. So she popped into one of those stores that sells snacks, and she bought a small package of cookies. She took those cookies, and she walked over to a table, and she sat down and started to read a magazine. Well, it wasn't long before she heard this rustling noise. She looked up from her magazine, and she couldn't believe what she saw. Right across the table, there was a well-dressed man, and he was sitting there, and he had started eating her cookies. She was flabbergasted. So she looked at him. She takes a couple of cookies, and then she goes back and reads her magazine. Well, as time goes by, she keeps her eye on this guy. And he just won't stop eating her cookies. And at this point, she's getting really mad. And finally, to add insult to injury, he takes the last cookie out of the package, breaks it in half, and then pushes one half across the table to her, stands up and walks off. Whew, she's hot. But right then, she hears an announcement that her flight is about to board. So she begins collecting her things. She, she goes to get her boarding pass. And when she opens up her purse, guess what she sees? An unopened bag of cookies. Ooh. All along, the stranger was the owner of a second package. So the point is clear, isn't it? Knowing whose cookies they are makes all the difference in the world. When she thought those were her cookies, this guy seemed like an incredible jerk. But once she realizes that this man allowed her to eat his cookies without saying anything, all of a sudden, he comes across as very gracious, doesn't he? So this is what we're talking about today. If I think of my stuff as my stuff, I'm going to feel a strong sense of entitlement. I may be a little upset if God tells me to give away some of my stuff. And I'm definitely going to be upset if God takes away something that I have. But freedom begins 
when we stop saying what's mine is mine and we start saying what's mine is his. And before we cover any other financial principles or strategies, we have to start here. We have to see God for who he really is and we have to see ourselves for who we really are. And here's the bottom line. God is the owner of everything and he's appointed us to be managers. You and I are not really owners. We're just stewards or managers. And that role comes with responsibility. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul makes an important statement. He says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. That's the expectation that God has for all of us. Each one of us has a long list of gifts that God has entrusted to us, and he's watching to see how we'll manage these gifts. Will we hoard them for ourselves? Will we use them for evil? Because, man, we have the freedom to do whatever we want. But God's intention is that we would leverage these gifts for good. Now, obviously, in this series, we are going to talk about money. But today, I want to remember that money is only one thing that God has given us to manage. Let's think about another gift this morning, the gift of time. We have a chart that shows time and money side by side. And and these are two examples, gifts that God has given us to manage. And what do we know about these two things? Well, we've already mentioned one principle, right? God owns it all, so he is the ultimate owner of our money and our time. Whatever we have in each of these two categories is a temporary gift on loan from God. But let's look at a couple of other principles here. One thing we should remember is that both of these gifts come from God. He's not only the owner, he is the source. James chapter 1 verse 17 states that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So let's go back to our chart for a second. In the left-hand column, it's pretty common knowledge that time is a gift, right? We understand that because we don't have the ability to create time. You try to add a 25th hour in your day, it's not going to happen. And and all of us, we just happen to be alive here on January 13th, 2019. But we weren't responsible for that. God has given us the privilege of being alive right now. Today is a gift, and every moment we have is a reason to be grateful. But now, things change when we move over to the right-hand column. Uh, we can get a little confused about money. We can think, yeah, I know that God has blessed me in lots of ways. He's given me lots of gifts, but when it comes to my money, I earned it. I was the one who worked hard. I was the one who put in those hours. I was the one who built that business or climbed that ladder, and I deserve some credit for that, right? Well, it's tempting to think that way, but the reality is that point of view is totally inaccurate. There's a fascinating passage in the Old Testament back when the people of Israel were about to enter the promised land. And this is back when Moses was leading the people, and God told Moses to give the people a message. And Moses said, listen, everybody, you are about to enter the promised land, and you should know this is a land of prosperity. This land is full of rivers and streams and hills and valleys. It's full of produce like wheat and barley and grapes and figs. And when you get to the promised land, you won't be lacking for anything. Then Moses said, but guys, you need to be careful 
Because you're going to be settling down and you're going to see your crops and your flocks and your houses begin to multiply. And at that time, you will be tempted to forget where your prosperity came from. And then listen to these two verses. Moses said, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So the Israelites would have no right to take credit for their wealth or their success. All of that came from God. The opportunity to live in the promised land came from God. The strength in their hands came from God. Their abilities and their talents came from God. God deserved all of the credit because he was the source of everything. The same is true for us today. Many of us have experienced material blessings, especially when you compare it to the rest of the world. We, we happen to live in one of the richest nations in the history of the world. But if you and I have been blessed with prosperity, we can't take credit for that. All of our blessings come from God. So that's an important principle. But I want to give you just one more. All of our gifts belong to God. They come from God. We should also remember that these gifts are finite. We won't be living in this world forever, and we won't be making money forever. Each one of us has a specific amount of time and a specific amount of money that is allotted to us. And only God knows the amounts for each one of us, and the amounts vary widely from person to person. Uh, For some individuals, uh, the chart looks like this. And what kind of life is that? Well, that's a person who's blessed with a lot of money. Maybe they were born into a wealthy family. But this person doesn't have a lot of time. So you're looking at someone who is born rich and dies young. And yes, that's pretty sad. But that is the actual story for some people, right? And then let's flip it the other way. In this chart, the the values will change. And we now have a person who lives a relatively long life, but in this long life, they never end up having much money. And again, this is the actual story for many people. But the point is, God gives each of us a specific amount of time and a specific amount of money. Let's look at some averages for people in the United States. As of right now, the average person in the U.S. lives about 78.7 years. And this is something we should really think about. There's a verse in Psalms that says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what do you think this verse means? How would numbering our days help us gain wisdom? Well, I'll tell you something that I did. Uh, First, I thought about that average life expectancy in terms of months. And if you multiply 78.7 times 12, that means the average person will live about 944 months. Then I looked at myself. So far, I have been alive just over 555 months. And if I hit that average on the nose, that means I only have 389 months to go. And when I see those two numbers next to each other, that really puts things in perspective. I'm running out of time. Man, it's entirely likely that I am well over halfway through my life. And what do I have to show for it? How have I used the time that God has given me? How much time have I wasted? And how can I make the most of the time that I have left? 
That's what Psalm 90 is saying. When we number our days, we realize that all of life is a precious gift and none of it should be wasted. But let's jump back over to the money column. Our days are numbered, we get that. But do we also think about the fact that our dollars are numbered? Before I did the research for this message, I probably could have made a a close guess to the average life expectancy in the U.S. I I would have been in the ballpark. But I (laughs) I was surprised when I saw the average amount of money that we earn. I looked at several estimates, and here's the consensus. The average household in the U.S. will earn over $2 million in a lifetime. Isn't that amazing? And remember, we're not talking about the top 5 or 10%. We're talking about the average household. Now, most of us don't think of ourselves as millionaires. But the truth is, most of us will be blessed by God with at least a million dollars. In many cases, it'll be a lot more. So think about this. If someone came to you and they handed you $2 million dollars, And they said, hey, I'm going to give you this money and you can use it however you want, but I want you to know I'm going to come back in one year and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you will do something good with this money. How do you think you'd handle that challenge? Over the course of that year, do you think you would forget that you'll have to report on what you do with the money? I don't think you'd forget, right? But that scenario is very similar to what God has done with each of us. He's entrusted us with money and time and all these amazing gifts. And one day, we'll have to answer for how we've managed those gifts. And it's not just time and money, right? What's our big idea? God owns it all. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So this goes way beyond time and money. For example, my job is a gift on loan from God. As of this moment, I'm the senior minister of Plum Creek Christian Church. But you know what? God has given me this gift as a temporary assignment. Um, My days in this position are finite, and I need to be faithful in how I manage this responsibility. And what about my family? My family is also a gift on loan from God. I have this privilege to be a husband and a father, And this is also a big responsibility. If I'm faithful in these roles, my wife and my children will be blessed. If I'm not faithful, if I don't do a good job, they'll suffer. And either way, I'll have to answer for how I took care of these gifts. And you know, we could get even more personal. My body is a gift on loan from God. Some people say, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. But that's not true, is it? We don't own our bodies. Our bodies are just one more gift that God has given us to manage. So whether we're talking about time, money, careers, families, or our bodies, or anything else we have, it makes all the difference in the world when you know who owns the cookies. God owns it all. He's the master, and we're just stewards. He's the owner, and we're just managers. And remember what we said about managers, right? What was that statement from the Apostle Paul? He said, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. So let me ask an honest question. How do you feel about everything we've covered so far today? Has it been helpful for you to think about this idea that God owns it all? The answer could very well be yes. 
Maybe it has been helpful so far for you to hear this, and you're saying, yeah, what's mine is not mine, and I needed that reminder. I need this challenge because I want to be a faithful manager, and you're ready to go out and give God control of everything in your life. But some of us may be having a different reaction right now. Some of us may look at a verse like that, and it feels like a heavy weight. We're like, you know what? It is hard to be a good manager all day, every day. And God wants me to manage not just one thing, but lots and lots of things. So I feel like I will never measure up to his expectations. Right here is where we encounter one of the greatest things about the gospel of Jesus. The word gospel means good news. And if this whole life is just a test of our performance as managers, That wouldn't be good news because we don't always get it right. Like I said earlier, we could all give examples of bad financial decisions that we've made. Uh, That's just one area. None of us can be the ideal manager all of the time. And that's why we have to keep coming back to grace. That's why I go back to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 over and over again. In these verses, Paul is speaking to Christians and he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. So what is going to happen when this life is over? Is God going to judge me based on what kind of job I've done as a manager of his good gifts? Is is he going to accept me or reject me based on my performance? Well, apart from Jesus, the answer is yes. God does have a very high standard and very high expectations. The problem is, none of us comes close to meeting that standard. But listen, this is why Jesus came. God knew that we would never measure up, but he loves us anyway. And so Jesus came to cover over our sins. He died to take the punishment that we deserve for all the ways we've mismanaged our lives. And when you have experienced a life-changing relationship with Jesus, God's approval of you is not based on your works. See, it's right there in verse 9. God's approval of you is based on what Jesus has done and the fact that you have placed your faith in him. You've put your life in his hands. That's what grace is. And that is good news, right? Because that means I can take a deep breath and realize that the weight is not on my shoulders. But does that also mean that I can sort of blow off this responsibility as God's manager? After all, it is by grace you have been saved. So if I do a terrible job, no big deal, right? Actually, no. We can't think that way. In fact, if you have that mindset you should probably go back and question whether you've put your faith in Jesus in the first place. Because you see, by putting your faith in Jesus, you are, by definition, giving God ownership and control of your life. You're saying, God, not only do I believe that you're the owner of everything, I'm also giving you permission to do whatever you want with my life. Do whatever you want with the gifts you've given me. That's what happens when you've really encountered the grace that comes from Jesus. You don't care less about being a faithful manager. You care even more 
because you're motivated by love and by gratitude and you've seen that God has been so good to you. So you want to please him. You want to give him his rightful place. And there's a particular question that you ask over and over again. The question is this. God, what do you want me to do with everything you have entrusted to me? When that's our question, we don't wake up in the morning thinking, yeah, what do I want to do today? No, we think, God, what do you want me to do today? After all, it's not my day. It's your day. As we surrender to God over time, the Holy Spirit transforms us, and, and we become more faithful as managers. And then, before you know it, another amazing thing happens. When God is in control, we start to experience his blessings like never before. Because, see, when I manage from a self-centered perspective, I make a mess of my life. You do too. We all do. But doing things God's way leads to blessings for ourselves and for everyone around us. It is a beautiful thing. So that's why I'm excited about what God will do in our church over the course of this series. Are we going to talk about money? Sure. But it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. It's about learning to think of God as the owner of everything. And it's about learning to give him control of everything. And it's about learning to live in a way that brings God glory and then getting blessed in the process. So as we wrap up today, I want to end by starting to put these ideas into practice. We're still in the early days of 2019, so we still have time to figure out how we will manage God's gifts over the course of this year. And we've talked about time and money this morning. So first, let me ask you this. How will you manage your time in 2019? It's very easy to go through a year just trying to survive our busy schedules. And then whenever we have a few minutes to breathe, we just want to do what we want to do, right? But what if our time is not really our time? And what if we ask God what he wants us to do with the year that he's given us? If that's the case, we're going to look ahead on the calendar and we're going to make some intentional decisions based on what God says is important. I'll give you one example of where I'm trying to do this in my life. Like I said earlier, God has given me the privilege to take on these roles of husband, father, minister. And I need to figure out how to invest in these roles and build into my wife and my children and this church. And I need to be wise in the way that I use my time and my energy. So last year, I started praying about some possibilities for 2019, and I, I started talking with Nathan DeRico, who is the director of Camp Northward down in Pendleton County, and at the end of some praying and talking, I marked off June 7th, 8th, and 9th on my calendar, because on those dates, I'm going to lead a session of camp where parents and their elementary age children get to attend together. I am super excited about this because this camp is going to be all about parents passing our faith onto our kids. This is something we talk about here at Plum Creek all the time. It's also one of my main goals as a dad. So this is an intersection of a lot of the roles that I have. It's, it's, it's a way that I can make the most of my time, the time that God has given me. And by the way, if you are a parent or a guardian of a child in kindergarten through fourth grade, you're invited to join us at this camp. Registration begins in March, and if you want to learn more, let me know. I'll keep you posted. And so that's one example for me, but what about you? 
Have you taken some time to pray over the rest of this year? Are you asking God how he would have you spend your time? Later this morning, we'll get to witness the ordination of new elders and deacons here at Plum Creek. You'll see men who have made the decision to invest time in the work of God's kingdom. But again, what about you? Do you have the specifics? I'll give you a couple suggestions. First one is for women. One is the Plum Creek Women's Retreat coming up April 26th and 27th. A lot of you remember we had a big men's retreat last year, and that was just a phenomenal weekend. Uh, God did some amazing things in our time out at Potter's Ranch. And out of the guys that I talked to, all of them were so glad that they set aside the time to build relationships with other men and grow closer to Christ. So ladies, registration for the women's retreat begins in just a few weeks, and I encourage you to go ahead and block that time off on your calendar. You may also want to pray about how God would use you to make a difference in the lives of others in 2019. Maybe you were here in December and you got excited about the WISH ministry, which is an outreach to local international students up at NKU. If God is leading you to get involved in that ministry on a more consistent basis, I want you to know there is a place for you to do that. In fact, there's going to be a lunch next Sunday after this service and you get to learn more about how you could be involved uh, consistently in WISH. Or maybe God is leading you to serve with something like Family Promise, a ministry that reaches out to families who are currently homeless. Uh, During the week of January 20th through 26th, Plum Creek will be hosting families. We could always use more volunteers. But if you're interested in any of these things or another ministry that happens here through Plum Creek, Uh, here's what you do. You go to our website, plumcreek.org, and you look for the connect uh, word at the top of the homepage, and then you can sign up to serve in any ministry, or just let us know. I want to get plugged in. I I need some help. We'd be glad to help you with that. So those are a few suggestions, but I know that God has plans for all of us this year. He can show us how to use the time that he's given us. He can show us how to use the money that he's given us. And that's where we're going these next few weeks. How is God leading you to manage your money? Next week, we'll get into more specifics about our finances, but I want to let you know there's only so much we can cover in a sermon. And if you need to go a little more in-depth and you really want to tame the money monster, I highly recommend that you sign up for Financial Peace University. That class will happen on Sunday mornings during this service time, starting February 17th. And many, many people here at Plum Creek could tell you how beneficial that class has been. After service, uh, you can go out to the information center and get more information about FPU. So we've covered a lot of ground today, but I really want to make sure we all remember this one big idea. God owns it all. Everything is his. It's true, whether we admit it or not, but when we do admit it and when we really believe it, It changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for being a good father who gives good gifts. You've entrusted some important things to us. And Lord, help us to recognize and acknowledge that you are the owner. These gifts come from you. They're finite and, and we need to use them for good. We need to leverage them for for your glory. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be faithful as managers because we need your help. And pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.